I was actually just uh, in Normandy in France and we went to the cemetery, the American National Cemetery there. And that was one of the most moving things I've ever seen. And just, I mean, it, it will blow your mind how many people lost their lives. We have a first here on the Mortuary Show. Today we have on Catherine Chu. She is a mortuary science librarian. Can you believe it? A mortuary science librarian. I didn't even know it existed. She's got a plethora of knowledge about all things mortuary science. Catherine, how are you doing today? Good. I'm doing good. Beautiful. <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit about how you got started as a mortuary science librarian, and what even is it? For even me, who went to mortuary school, I didn't even know it was a thing. So tell us a little bit about how you got into it and what is your job? Well, first off, um, I am um, a master's degree librarian. So, um, and I, as part of my employment history, I've done all sorts of different things. I've been an Air Force Base librarian. And as, and in the course of that, I met my husband who was active, du was active duty military time. So I moved around an awful lot. And when you do that, you have to pick up jobs wherever you can. And one of the times yeah. was that I got to be a hospital librarian. And that's when I discovered I love being um, a medical librarian because yeah. I have a, a really like science. And after a while, he, but he retired and we retired back to the Midwest. He came from Wisconsin. I came from Minnesota and we retired back to his childhood home. And at that particular point in time, he said, okay, now that I've uprooted you so many times, now we get to maybe concentrate on your um, uh, career as well. How kind. And not too long after we retired to, yeah, I actually live out in rural Wisconsin. So it's kind of nice. Where about? Um, I live, um, I actually live on a lake that's about like two and a half miles from a very small town of 500 people who then live, that's about 10 miles away from another town that's got 10,000 people. That's about an hour away from the Twin Cities, Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area. Sure. Gotcha. Okay. And, uh, and, um, uh, not too many months after we retired here, there was an opening at the, what was, at that time was called the Biomedical Library at the University of Minnesota. They needed a reference librarian. So that looked like a good opportunity. And so I applied and they decided to hire me. And on the first day that I walked into the job, they said, besides being, you know, staffing the reference desk five days a week, you are also going to be the mortuary science librarian. <laughs> and going, okay. <laughs> as, it, as it turned out, um, I was um, I was being a replacement for somebody who had been the mortuary science librarian, mm -hmm. and they were very. Um, and one of the reasons why they actually had a mortuary science librarian, whereas most of the time when you have a university, you have a you might have a medical school librarian or a nursing librarian or this stuff. And but mortuary science was a little niche thing, but it uh, so happened sorry. that the university was rather proud of the mortuary science program because it had been around since 1908. Wow, long time. And fact, yeah, and in fact, had been, has actually had um, some really nice, interesting things about it. 
one thing, it's one of the few four-year degrees that are um, granted in mortuary science. There's only about like 10 schools that do that. Um, the students graduate with a bachelor of science degree. They also um, are the only mortuary science department that's actually embedded in a medical school. Oh. And it so happens that um, when they were first um, developed, they were the only mortuary science department, the first mortuary science um, program in a state college. So they've got a lot of really cool things. A lot of firsts that. there at the University um, of Minnesota. And it so happened that one, also one of the reasons why um, they had a mortuary science librarian is because back in the I've been doing this for, in December, I will have been doing this for 22 years, a long time. Yeah. So I started this back in 2001. And back at the time, the internet was still rather young. And they were, as librarians, we like to categorize things. And one of the things that they did, this was before Google was around, they had something called HealthWeb. And this was where it was a collaboration of like librarians and libraries across the United States that were trying to provide people with places to go on particular health topics that the um, information was deemed as reliable as opposed to something that, you know, why do you want to go there? Sure. And they had, they had um, created one that was mortuary science. And so that's why I took over. So I took over curating the content that went into the mortuary science section of the health web. Now the health web lasted until 2006. And by that time, sort of Google and all that stuff sort of started taking things over. So they decided it wasn't as much, but for, for about five years, I um, would research and look into and add this curated content to this thing called the health web for the mortuary science. That's amazing. I want to know what was your first thought when they told you, we want you to be in the mortuary science field. That's, it's such a unique and out there field. I want to know what was your first impression or first thought when they, they told you? Um, well, I well, interestingly enough, um, because I've been working in hospital libraries, um, a lot of times I had to deal with um, pathologists and coroners. Sure. One yeah. of the um, hospitals I used to work at the pathologist was also the coroner for that county. And so he would come up with some really interesting questions that he needed research. And so the whole thing around um, death and dying um, sort of always kind of percolated up as well. And also, too, is that um, I also always had found cemeteries interesting. We got to, when we did some, um, with my husband and his military career, we did a couple of European tours. And I got to go and visit um, various different types of cemeteries. I got to see Napoleon's tomb, where Shakespeare was buried. Whoa. Um, there is a whole thing in Europe, in certain churches, where they have mummified bodies of saints in glass coffins. Yes, I've church. seen too. Yeah. So, you know, I was sort of like, okay. It didn't freak me out to be told I'll be a mortuary science librarian. I was sort of like, okay, this is kind of cool. So. Yeah, so it was like, okay, that's kind of different, but uh, yeah, sure, I'll embrace it. That's cool. That's amazing. I was actually just uh, in Normandy in France, and we went to the cemetery, the American National Cemetery there, and that was one of the most moving 
things I've ever seen. And just, I mean, it, it will blow your mind mm-hmm. how many people lost their lives. And I'm sure that you've studied a lot of that history too. And there's a, a fair amount of um, national cemeteries throughout Europe. Have you gotten to see any of those before? Actually, um, I did actually see the one that's in Gaston. That was the result of from the Battle of the Bulge. But I think that oh, yeah. And what was really interesting about that was you could go and see the American ones, and they, they had a very certain look, but not too far, but almost like, I'd say, sort of like across the street, and then the German one, and it looked entirely different the way it was set up and all of that. So it's kind of interesting to see the differences between the two of them. What were some of the differences that you noticed? Um, well, the American ones is like if, you, if you've ever been to, um, let's say, like Arlington and those types of things, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, the nice little markers and all like that type of thing. And yeah. Very remote and all like this stuff. And over in the German side, the uh, markers had a much more European look to it. Um, everything was a little bit that the grass wasn't quite as bold. I mean, it wasn't as kept up as the same thing as the American side was. Right. Yeah, they take a, a, a lot of pride in those and it's out of respect for, you know, the things that yeah. the, they went through in their families too. So um, that's that's very interesting. Tell us a little bit of, uh, more about the University of Minnesota. My dad actually went to um, Southern Illinois, which is another one of those four year you come out with a, a degree. So um, everyone that comes out of those is just so much more wise and uh, well prepared for funeral service than I was. <laughs> Well, what's interesting, and this is where the librarian part comes in, is that for at least the, the Minnesota program, is they have a lot of what they call writing and classes classes. And so this is where the students have to, instead of just learning how to embalm or the anatomy or anything else like that, they actually have to write papers. So they might have to write 10 page papers or something else like that. And so oh. the instructors would bring me in at the beginning of the um, class the semester to actually, okay, here's library orientation. This is where you can find all this library type stuff. This is where stuff is located um, within the library. And then they're all given my contact information for then what they can then come and um, consult with me saying, okay, I need help finding these resources. I've never had to do a research paper before. How do I find resources? What can I, what's good resources? What aren't good resources? And I've actually had some where I actually had to walk them through how to actually set up a paper, you know, like, okay, now that you've got your resources, an introduction, I can do this, 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 this type of thing. And that's, that's kind of interesting when um, having to actually thinking about, because the program itself is upper level graduate students. And you think by that time, they may have actually had to do um, that type of work that I have to um, Remember, I had one student, um, this was, um, many, many years ago, who was actually sitting in my office and we going to consultation, and she said that um, the way this particular instructor had set things up is they had to come up with a topic, and then they had to um, write a hypothesis for their paper before they wrote the paper. And apparently, this instructor had told her she needs to consult with me because he told her that her hypothesis wasn't a hypothesis. It was just basically like, uh, it read like maybe an encyclopedia. Uh-huh. She came up, she's actually sobbing in my office, like, I've never done a hypothesis before. <laughs> and so that was kind of interesting. Well, what was, what's really, what's been really interesting on some of these things is that 
sometimes, depending on how the instructor sets it up, they might um, have a single person do it. Most of the time, they do them in groups, and sometimes they do them in larger groups, and I've met with those. And sometimes when I've got with them, and then we talk through how they're going to approach their particular topic, maybe like in a group, how to break up the topic so they can search and find information, that type of thing. But what sort of the flip side is, is that I end up getting to talk to people, and sometimes I learn about how they got into funeral service in the first place. Sure. I mean, there's some few words, it's a whole family thing. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. You, know, you know, father to son, or daughter to father to son. Yeah. But there's one like, um, there was somebody um, a couple of years ago who was telling me that uh, she actually started out as EMT. Like okay. she somehow, um, she got to be very interested in how to help people deal with grief, when she, especially when she would be an EMT and see people you know, dying or something else like that. So she, her path was from EMT to funeral service. Another person, just her, I forgot if it was her grandmother or her aunt died, and she just got very impressed with how the funeral service people helped them deal and walk their way through the grief. And so that's sure. what got her on the path of being in funeral service. Yeah, it's interesting always to see there are, because I get to talk to so many funeral directors when I'm doing this show and just communicating with them, there are so many different reasons and paths that people come into the service and in always it's it has to do with something with their heart They're, they have this calling this passion for it and it's and it's a great thing for the industry that we're in is to have people coming from different backgrounds and for different reasons whether it was a family member passed and they love the service or i've heard in the past a family member had a service and they weren't overly pleasing like i can do this i can do better it's it's fun to see all the different so i'm sure when you get those students coming through you get to see a lot of different backgrounds and ways uh tell us a little bit about maybe some of the subject matters that the students are writing on for mortuary science like their papers i'd be interested to know uh, what they're writing about well there's a couple of different ones um a lot of them have to do with some of them are um like to name some of the, the, the classes, like one of them is like the psychology of grief. Okay. And so they're gonna, their paper would be on the various different aspects of um, how people grieve. So it might be um, how children may grieve, how may adults grieve, how you may grieve the loss of a sibling, how you may grieve the loss of your grandparents, your parents, yeah. you know, the loss, loss of a child. So it would be that type of thing. Um, another one would be, um, there's another one where they were doing like death and dying across cultures and religion. So now their papers would be, they had to pick a religion and actually talk and write a paper about, you know, how would, you know, somebody from, um, the Jewish faith, um, right. actually grieve and maybe, um, their burial service or somebody from the Muslim faith or somebody from Hmong or those types of things. And then that's where the cultures come in too, is that being aware, especially like in the um, the Twin Cities metro area in Minnesota, we have a lot of Hmong people. And so to be uh, an effective service, um, funeral service person, you have to understand how they, how they, because it'd be very different from say what maybe a Christian burial do or how they would handle those types of things. So those are some of those classes. But I've also been brought on on such things as um, funeral marketing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the I can tell you all about that. <laughs> for that one, she brought me in because um, she was having people um, write business plans. 
and how to write resumes. And so she needed to, um, because one of the things that I do too is besides um, helping people write their papers is I also create what are called course guides. And what those are, those are um, curated lists of different types of resources that the students after my maybe presentation or besides consult with the students can go to. So like for this particular one, this, this marketing and, and business one, um, she wanted um, uh, a guide that actually would have all sorts of different things with different types of the best way to write business plans, the best way to create a business website. And then there was also how to write resumes and all of that type of thing. So it was kind of, that one was a little bit different from the, what the other ones were, but you know, do that type of thing too. It makes you well-rounded in in a bunch of different aspects of the service, whether it's you know on the history side or the grieving side, and then there's a whole business side and there's a science side. So there's so much to learn, and it's great that the students have a resource like you that that knows these different things and they can lean on you to to help get some guidance. I'd be interested as far as the marketing. Was she talking about the history? of more of like how it's developed because it's changed a lot even since i've been in service the the marketing aspects for a funeral home have changed immensely just like in any business really and we're just trying to always stay on top of the mind and continue with the trends so that way because it is so many small family quote unquote firms or just small businesses in general it's it's big ones because i know there's a lot of like really right Exactly. There, there's a lot of different ways that funeral homes do it, whether it is online, digital marketing, or it's in person in their local community doing things like that, or you have the old school models of being in the church bulletins and things like that, or th there's so many different nuances to it. So I'm interested to know what did she write about for her, for her paper. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right, I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started Mortuary Marketing. And I got to tell you, all the few homes we work with, are they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. Um, that she didn't get into. She's more interested in like the business plan. Resume read, and we also did um, how to get market reports. I'm sorry. Sneeze attack. <laughs> I'm just so passionate about funeral service. It brings me to tears. <laughs> but that's great. Have you seen students do anything on the science aspect, like maybe the history of embalming or things of that nature too? Because I'm sure people are very interested. The Egyptian, I know we, we covered that in depth because that was known as like the prehistoric model and it just has developed ever since then. It's interesting you should ask that because the most current class that I just went and did presentations to, which is the basic funeral practices, one, the instructor in that one decided she was going to make that class a writing intensive class. So she came in 
had me come in and talk about how to actually do a research project and what it is that she, her thing, and I'm still expecting people to start asking me for consults, is she had, she paired them up and then she had them all pull a name out of a hat. So they got a historical figure. Oh. And then what they had to do is they had to research the historical figure, research the era period that that person lived in, and then the funeral practices for that period. So for instance, um, I, I already know through one um, that contacted me, they haven't got me back about a good time, is that they have to research Tamra of Georgia. And it turns out that Tamra of Georgia lived in the medieval times and she was a, a queen in the, the, um, in the country. I think it's, I think it's one of the Russian states right now. But so they have to re still have to research medieval times and how medieval people or maybe um, kings and queens were um, taken care of for um, the burial practices for that time. So um, I didn't see a list of all that, but I'm sure she covers like this wide range. So that's sort of kind of in one sense gets to your question about this, the historical part of it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And the practices throughout the world are still extremely different. I've talked to people from around the world on the podcast, and I always find it fascinating whether it's in Europe or Central America or something, the level of, or even around the country, honestly, the practices are very unique and very different. So I, it's, it's uh, something that you could always be learning as far as what the best practice could be for, for your area or bringing some new knowledge to the field is always really important. That part's interesting too, in the fact that my, um, my mother was German, came from Germany. Okay. And so I've, I've seen like the family plot back there, but where she was, especially like we're talking about in Europe as opposed to the United States, the United States for now, it's got large swaths where they can bury people and they put the whole cement vaults and though that might be different in some areas, yep. but in Europe, they don't have that much room. So they have a pyramid plot and they bury people on top of each other. And she would told a story once where she was there and they do have a tendency to plant flowers on top of grave and she dig them and then the bone would pop up and they would just shut back down in it again. Oh. Keep planting their flowers there because you know there was just all these people in there. Wow, that is fascinating. What are some of um so so dating back at the beginning, when you first got started, did you just do a ton of reading as far as things about the industry? Because I'm sure you didn't know too much about whether it was the history or the daily practice. How did you get uh, acclimated to the industry when you were first started? And what do you do now uh, to keep yourself uh, apprised to what's going on in the industry too? Well, in the beginning, because I had to be the help web editor, I had to go out and start reading a lot of stuff, you know, because I could look at what was already on what the previous person before me had actually put in there so I could see how she had done it and then look those things up because anytime I would look up a new possible resource to put in there I had to read about it because I had to read this to see if it was legitimate was it something worthwhile would it actually bring something to to that particular web also as part of my um duties is I also buy the books for so I buy whether it's a funeral service books or um you know books on bereavement, death, dying, um, and all of that type of thing. 
And one of the actual first um, projects I did besides the health board when I started was not too long after I had started, the um, funeral service director was asking about, could he get a copy of um, a listing of a collection because back for the 75th anniversary of the department, the one of the local um, mortuary um, families had actually purchased a sort of a death and dying collection and donated it to, to the library. And, oh, wow. Um, I don't remember. It was on their 75th anniversary, so I probably figured that out. But he wanted to know, was it possible to actually get a list of this? And what this list was, was it just regular books, but a lot of it was all this historical stuff. So it was stuff that was like from the 1400s or the 1500s or the 1700s. Wow. And they were things like um, eulogies, uh, music, um, little pamphlets on descriptions of the um, cemetery and all like this stuff. And as it turned out, it was a good thing he asked me about it just because we were at that time within just a few months of turning over to a new cataloging system. And in the old cataloging system, the items had actually been tagged with the death and dying collection. But when we moved over to the new cataloging system, that particular field would disappear. So there would have been no way we could have created that collection at that time. And like I said, this department is very, very proud of this collection because probably, I don't know, not a lot of mortuary science things have this historical collection. Because right. most of the bulk of it is actually right now resides in our historical library because we have a separate this library, um, library of history of medicine and biology. And that's where most of those are. And like I said, and he always touts it. Anytime somebody comes through for um, tours, I think they actually posted the um, one of the uh, mortuary science conferences and he actually asked us to bring some of the materials over so that people could actually come and look at them yeah. and he actually makes copies of the thing that I brought that I created so they can give them out to people and he says most people actually walk off with them <laughs> you can't do that would, would you say you have a favorite or a few favorite books that you've read in the in the field that stick with you um so i could brush up on my knowledge <laughs> well maybe maybe not um we sometimes i have fun with the collection okay and um so i actually have bought like uh, a book on uh, what most uh, religious denominations serve at funeral lunches. Really? Yeah. That's fun. That's always good to get to know. You got to get some recipes out of there or something. <laughs> Different denominations have their own little thing that generally gets served at the So I've done things like that. Um, there's always the um, classic death to death, which um, everybody knows about this because we have a particular section of what happens to the body after it's been um, put into the grave. And uh, there's a, some of my favorite have actually been um, not necessarily books, but, um, and, and they've been archived. It's actually, um, what do I want to call it? Um, museum exhibits. 
So there's been actually a couple of death and dying museum exhibits that now are archived that actually have a lot of interesting information in them as well. Oh, okay. That is interesting. Have you gotten to do any shadowing or work with funeral homes to um, incorporate with your work as well? No, um, that's never actually um, has happened. I think if I actually asked, they probably would set it up. But it's one of those things that can never actually come up in sure. any of our conversations. You don't want I to get too in the weeds with it. No, <laughs> so I've, I've kind of, and I wish I had kept my eye on it more as a, a bin. Um, would have liked to have gone to a um, funeral service conference just out of curiosity to see what was going on. And I think they had one locally, but I kind of missed it. I think I was at something else at the time it was here. But, um, I had something in the back of my head when I lost it. Oh, um, I, um, I just wanted to mention, though, I am part of the, the um, program does get accredited, and I am part of their accreditation. So I do get, I do submit um, information, but they, I also get interviewed when the accreditation team comes through to find out, you know, um, are they being adequately uh, supported and all that stuff. Though I did have one person told me, she says, I never worry about this program because since you're embedded in a medical school, you're sure to have all your anatomy resources and all of that type of thing. Right, right. And there's so many, like I was saying earlier, there's so many different aspects. So you have to cross your T's and dot your I's to make sure that everyone coming out is well-versed and then they get into that field experience, which is, which is very beneficial too. What separates do you think University of Minnesota from some other schools uh, as far as their program besides what you've already said? Um, well, first off, it's, it's, I think because it is a four-year degree, they have a lot of um, prerequisites before students actually, so it's an upper, it's an upper level program. So the yeah. students actually have to take a lot of probably chemistry, biology, uh, microbiology, you know, a lot of that stuff before they even get into the Mark Side program to begin with. Uh, they do require, um, they do require that they do take a, a bunch of the writing intensive classes, which means that they, they're making sure that they do go through the whole um, grief counseling, grief bereavement type of thing as well. They do offer um, an independent study. So if there's a particular um, thing that you're interested in that you want to do more research in, and that's where some people have actually done some maybe history stuff. They might get interested in a history type of thing. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's amazing and uh, very cool to, to see uh, how different programs are so different in many ways. Like some programs, you have very minimal um, accreditation that you need to come in and some like you might need to have a lot more. And it's it's funny that it hasn't been more standardized. It seems like it's a more of a state to state thing. Have you noticed that as well? Um, I think if I think about it, um, they actually got a fairly large incoming class this year. They have 40 people in it which is a good size because they usually average between 30 and 35 and this year they've got 40. Wow. And in 
previous years when I've been at the Nebraska Fair, you know, I, I've asked sometimes when I do the orientation, I ask how many people have actually have been to the U. And about 50% of them are actually students that have already been in the program because there's about like 50% that come from outside. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's amazing. There's definitely a need um, being in it in funeral service like I am. There's a need for more funeral directors. So it's really good to see a lot of schools having a, a high level of students coming in because there's such a need. There's a, a, a relatively large change that I've noticed um, in the smaller firms, especially families, maybe the next generation isn't necessarily taking over and there's going to be opportunities for people to come on in to make a difference in these small funeral homes in that respect. So it's, it's good to see that the student population is on the rise because the, the industry, the actual workers are sort of on the decline or on the older age. So it's good to have like these young students coming in and um, that's, that's very good to hear. Do you see a lot of, so where are students coming from? Like if they're already at the university, what do you see their background in and how do they switch over? They're like, I want to go into the mortuary science now. Well, a lot of them that are um, local are also probably coming from um, the local um, family owned businesses. Sure. Um, one of the trends that um, the director commented on to me a couple of years ago is he's actually seen an upswing in more women yep. attending. And sometimes some of them are not necessarily just young single women, but women that are probably already single mothers or already married or that kind of yeah. And one of the interesting things that I saw last year when I went to an orientation was that one of the students that had in there was actually deaf. So she actually had an interpreter. So that was kind of a, a, a different thing for somebody who's actually had that particular type of um, disability was actually entering into mortuary science. Yeah, that's amazing. It, it's good to have the variety and it brings a whole new perspective on an industry that is so personal to families going through such a hard time. It's really nice to have a lot of people from different backgrounds and different experiences so they can resonate with all families that are going through loss because everyone unfortunately has to go through that at some point. Um, that's amazing. Uh, my last question for you, are you noticing any trends in the industry um, just through your work or through your students and everything and all the knowledge that you have? Do you see any trends in the future in the, in the next 10 to 15 years? Um. Some of the things that I've seen, especially when it comes to like looking for resources and that type of thing, is there's obviously um, a trend towards green burials. Yep. And and one of the newest things that I've been reading um, as it pops up is the whole digesting thing. Digesters. Yes. Yes. That's definitely a, a trend on the uprise and. It, it's it's just more opportunities for us to provide to families um, different options because there weren't many options. Uh, you could go back only 20 years ago and there really weren't too many options. Now every family has a plethora of different things that they can do and make it about their loved one who's gone on. And um, I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, I, I would love to, if you want to give me a list of some of these, these books, uh, especially the historical ones, that's, 
very interesting and I think a lot of people would. Actually, um, I can I, I actually have a copy of the list and I can send you the list. Amazing. And I'll and I'll get that out to all of our listeners so we can we can brush up so we can be as knowledgeable as possible in the military science field. But Catherine, uh, like I said, thank you so much. This has been a fun conversation. Getting to know a very different aspect of funeral service, but it's so imperative so that our students are well prepared going into the industry and that's something they can lean on for their entire career. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate it. Okay.